Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hello, y'all. Alright, so what are we talking about on the podcast this week? Y'all, we're going to talk about something fun this week. I feel like our last couple of episodes have been just a little bit heavy, which is not bad. Mm -hmm. Definitely not bad. Part of the gender journey is not always fun and games, but... This week, though. We so, are talking about games. It's a little bit fun and games. It is mostly mostly fun and games. Almost all of fun, fun and games, actually. Really exclusively fun and games yeah. this week. Watch. Now, then we're going to dive into some deep shit. But we're <laughs> setting out for fun and games. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, it's my favorite game. So hopefully we just hang It's actually out. Josie's life. It's not my life. Mm. I write fiction, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I, write, I make this podcast. Mm. I have a blog. But I, I mostly, most of my free time is dedicated to Dungeons and Dragons, which is what we're talking about today. Yay! All right. So today, uh, in the spirit of talking about something a little bit more fun, we are going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons and specifically the way that Dungeons and Dragons can be used as a way to explore your gender more so than... As a tool on your gender journey. As a tool on your gender journey. In a way that I think a lot of people don't necessarily... Uh, conceptualize it. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little about why we decided to do this this week? Well, partly because, again, our past two episodes have been pretty heavy. And, yeah. you know, again, the gender journey is full of pitfalls and very, very good moments. We, but we've just been kind of focusing on pitfalls for the last couple of episodes. So we wanted to focus on a beautiful, happy, uh, validating, fun part of our gender journeys, at least. Yeah. And also because my Discord has started having um, D&D sessions together mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks. This has been something. And I've discovered that I am one of the only administrators on the Discord that plays D&D. And <laughs> that brought to my attention that there are lots and lots of genderqueer people out there who might not know how awesome D&D can be, A, just in general. I mean, D&D is a ton of fun. Yeah. But also, B, as a way to, like, Explore your gender, try out new pronouns, try out new genders, perhaps. Just have fun. Yeah. And have fun in a fun fantasy world. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into this a little bit later, but there are... We're going to talk about D&D mostly, because it is what we have the most experience with. But I'm going to mention later, D&D is not the only tabletop role-playing game. Yeah, and I should be clear. When I say D&D, I mean any fantasy tabletop role-playing game. Yeah. I know some people are like, oh, but I love Pathfinder. Okay, Pathfinder... I use D&D as an umbrella term that encompasses Pathfinder and, like, various I mean, other ones. Honestly, Pathfinder is the same thing as D&D. It's just... Wow, I'm going to get some flame for that. Pathfinder is the same thing as D&D. It's just a little crunchier. It's for when you, like, rules more. I've heard it described. You know, it doesn't matter. They're it doesn't matter. Just... But there are also non-fantasy RPGs. It doesn't really right. a thing. There are sci-fi RPGs. There's cosmic horror RPGs. There are just, like, 
fun, chill little RPGs that you can do that can also and I fill call the them space. all D and D. I call them sci-fi D and call them <laughs> post-apocalypse D and D. Josie played one that was like post-apocalypse times five D and D. Numenera. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Took a second and, that one uses the cipher system. Nobody cares about what the cipher system is, babe. That's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> Some right. people care a lot about what the cipher system is, y'all. Josie is one of them. But I'm protecting your delicate, delicate ears from the math and rules that goes behind which dice you roll and win. <laughs> That's true. All right. So I guess I'll get started then since this is, this is Josie week. <laughs> Welcome to Josie week, y'all. I guess where I want to start this is... When I was first coming out, and I've seen this on my Tumblr a lot in the sort of like transgender, gender fluid, like kind of getting your start in a gender journey, especially when talking about binary transitions, I heard a lot of advice that was like, hey, if you are in a situation where you don't feel safe coming out, you don't have people who are very supportive, like, you know, you're not in a situation where you're going to get to hear pronouns or your real name. You should go play Pokemon to choose your real gender, Mm. put in the name that you want, and then in Pokemon, they will always gender you correctly and they will always use your real name because that's how the game is programmed and no one's going to, like, come in and, like, fact check your Pokemon. You can make it whatever it is. This hurts my soul, though, because I was just playing Pokemon and my character in Pokemon is a girl character and I had her in this, like, really cute little feminine outfit, because last time I was playing it, I was really feeling that, but then this time that I was playing it, I was really feeling the masculine idea. And, y'all, the Pokemon game on the Switch doesn't, like, it's so fucking binary that if you signed up as a girl when you started, you cannot access any of the boys' clothes ever. I've beat the whole game, I'm almost done with the Pokedex, Like, I have the battle tower. I'm mostly through the battle tower. Like, I have everything unlocked, but no. But I want a pair of, like, fucking cargo pants? Nah. Can't have that. You're a girl. The worst. This is why Animal Crossing New Horizons is actually a great game. For this sort of thing, because Animal Crossing New Horizons, if you didn't know, you you are only gendered as they, them, and there are no restrictions as to whether or not you're... No restrictions on the sort of style things that you can pick up. Yeah, you can change your you can change your quote unquote gender, and the gender options are binary. But literally, all it does is change your face like the tiniest bit. You really can't tell. No, it doesn't change your face the tiniest bit. It doesn't change your face at all. It changes how you're gendered. Mm. Um, there are no non there are no gender neutral pronouns available, but you always have access to all of the clothing and all of the hairstyles. Another thing that's binary in the Pokemon game. Mm. You can also play Star, uh, not Stardew Valley. What's the first? What's that game that I played? It was so much fun. That was like all poly and gay and gender fluidy. Um, Verdant Skies. Verdant Skies. See, we were both thinking of Stardew Valley. Yeah, Verdant Skies. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that was called Verdant Skies. Yeah. So there's a game. It's super, super. It's like you can be hella gay. You can be polyamorous. You can be. There's no gender. You never are gendered. Ever. There's a non-binary character who's also asexual, phenomenal. 10 out of 10, very much suggested. Yeah. Still, though, talking about, like, how uh, Pokemon, the, even the newest Pokemon game on the Switch, you are gated by gender for your clothing. A lot of games still do have that only binary gender, no switching between them sort of thing. So while that advice might be interesting and useful for uh, someone like me, who has a gender that is acknowledged by the creators of video games worldwide 
it's not necessarily so helpful if you're exploring a gender identity that is not either man or woman. But Dungeons and Dragons has it's all theater of the mind. Yes, it has no such limitations. There is It has no limitations. Full stop. <laughs> that's true. I mean, you have to confine to the genre a little bit just to make sure that everybody's on the same page. It has no limitations if your DM's cool. <laughs> For context, Josie has DM'd several campaigns that I've taken part in and is currently actually DMing a campaign for me and my parents and one of my dad's work buds. So, like, that's the situation we're coming from. So I'll make jokes about her as a DM because we spend, what, um, seven hours a week with you as a DM for me? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. We play a lot of D&D in this house. We do. It's true. And one of the nice things about that is... In the fantasy of Dungeons and Dragons, like in the world as it is presented to you in like the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook, uh, and several of these sort of expansions on those, there are a lot. There are like canonical gender non-conforming and non-gendered races. I don't really like that they call them races in D anD D, but that's what they call them. It's um, another conversation. It's a whole other conversation. But like, there are like notes in the player's handbook about like these fantasy races may not conceptualize gender as we do so like feel free to sort of play with those boundaries mm-hmm. and like in um the or names or pronouns or names or pronouns and like in the uh eberron books there are changelings which are inherently non-gender shapeshifters and <sighs> That's what I was, I was actually referring to them with the whole names or pronouns things because mm-hmm. changelings. I played a changeling once. Oh, good times. They don't have like specific names because their names can change with like their bodies. Mm-hmm. So their names are often associated with a single like physical attribute that they'll like flash into that physical attribute when they say their name, such as like a color of hair or a color of eyes or like whatever it is. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff that you can explore, and you can always make stuff up. Like, if you are playing a D&D game and you're talking to your DM and you're like, hey, here's the thing. Um, I don't think dwarves have gender. And your DM's like, huh? And you're like, I think that all dwarves are gendered as he, him by humans because they all have beards. But I don't think dwarves really have a concept of gender. And uh, therefore, to a dwarf, in dwarvish, there's no gender pronouns. It's just everybody is what they are. And the DM can go, huh, well, okay. And then just move along. Yep. You know? Use something similar with elves, where it's like, elves live for thousands of years, why do they care about gender roles? Alternatively, elves live for thousands of years, so they actually have like 20-some genders? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can explore in any way that you really want to in this sort of world, and that is what makes it superior to video games for this exact thing. Yes, true. Dungeons & Dragons, as an open-world concept of a game, allows for so much unbridled creativity and allows you to create a world that you then get to experience in a way that you don't get to in a lot of other systems. I know that like I am also a an author. One of the things that I find so engaging about Dungeons and Dragons for me and the reason that I prefer to DM is that I really love making worlds and sort of like building up narratives from a baseline of like from a from some sort of foundation. And that is awesome when I'm doing it in writing. I find a lot of power from that. But I don't get to 
live in my worlds that I write the same way that I get to live in a world that I DM or that my players are playing in. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people don't have the, I mean, just skills to write a sweeping fantasy or sci-fi world where gender is whatever you make it. And that can then feel kind of inaccessible. If my advice here was, oh, if you want to, you know, explore your gender, go write a first person POV high fantasy novel in which you explore the nuances of gender. Like, no. Right. I wouldn't say it's not because people don't necessarily have the skills, but more because people do not have the time and yeah. the emotional bandwidth. A time, the emotional bandwidth, the interest. I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, true. I, I love writing. It's my favorite pastime. It's not everyone's. And that... It's fair. Yeah, that's fair. And so, similarly, when you look at other games, even really big, open, expansive RPG games that you can play online or just, you know, on consoles, they are still gated by what is literally programmed into the computer system that you're running. Right. D&D is only limited by your own imagination and the agreements that you have made between yourself and the other people at the table. Right. And so if you find a group that is willing to explore these ideas of gender with you, Mm -hmm. and you are willing to be kind and lovely, then you can really build something just beautiful. And interestingly... The game, while you're exploring this, just doesn't have to be about gender. Right. In D&D, you don't have to tell a story about gender. You can just go to a table and be like, hey, y'all, I want to play as an androgynous elf who doesn't give any sort of shit about how they're gendered, except for the fact that they do use they, them pronouns. And then your DM, if they're cool, which, I mean, that is a, that is a, that is a consideration. Some DMs are not cool. Or some DMs are cool in ways that you're not, that you're not looking for. Yeah, true. That's a very good point. (laughs) And then the DM could just say, yeah, okay, so let's use they, them pronouns for them. And that gives you the chance to be gendered the way you maybe want to be, or to explore your gender, or explore being referred to in a certain way. But the game doesn't have to focus on you and your gender. You can just be a cool non-binary elf throwing fireballs at random enemies i'm trying not i I just reached for a not dragons it's in the name i was reaching for a non-copyrighted monster because i don't know how that works with like posting this podcast and i literally came up with all of the iconic ones it doesn't matter this this is a complete aside this is this is josie when she talks about the indie it's great it's entertaining i'm glad you think so (laughs) (laughs) um but something that you just touched on there that i think is also really important is like You also don't have to be at a table that is even talking about gender or pronouns. Like, you could, I think that's something that's really interesting that's happening in our campaign that we play together right now is I'm playing a halfling whose gender I never gave Mm -hmm. and who I just get to act. Like, I have the privilege in my life of not having had a lot of explicit gender roles placed on me, like, Mm -hmm. from the people in my life. But even more so with my character that I'm playing here, I can just do whatever I want and nobody's going to be like, but she's a girl or whatever. Um, And I don't have to, I don't have to feel worried about that in any sense. I can do hyper-masculine things with my character Mm -hmm. and people just, it's my character. It's no big deal. Which I think is a really fun, like potentially stealth way that you can explore your gender. If finding a D&D table that like, 
is cool with you announcing pronouns and whatnot, it sounds like a challenge for you. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Because you can just sort of like... You can just start bending stuff. Start bending stuff. Say that you want to play into a trope. Like, yeah. if you join a table and you're not 100% sure that they're going to accept you exploring your gender using them as, like, side characters to your gender exploration, <laughs> go in and say, like, hey, so, you know, I know that I outwardly, maybe right now, don't present as a big, beefy Conan barbarian type, but I really, I find that aesthetic intriguing, and mm-hmm. I would really like to explore it in a roleplay way by playing, like, I'm just gonna literally play Conan the Barbarian in our next D&D game. And no one playing D&D is going to be like, no, we don't want a big axe-wingy smashy dude. Nope, nobody. And then you can explore that aspect of masculinity through just game mechanics and through this idea that other people have. Like, there is a trope, there is a cliche of the big axe-wingy barbarian. And maybe that doesn't actually line up with your gender identity, but it can be a fun space for you to play, even in situations where you maybe don't feel 100% like you can openly be like please use different pronouns for me right and i think that in that vein just like swap you can also do like a cleric that is a full-on healer where you do very few active combat things you just like heal and buff your team and you can make that into like a super mothering figure and similarly to no party is going to be like no we don't want a big axe swinging barbarian nobody is going to turn down a dedicated healer (laughs) truly (laughs) truly dedicated healers are Phenomenal. Few and far between. You want to stand here and just buff and give people shields and heal them when they need it? Oh, phenomenal. Would you like to join our party? Just kidding. We have a cleric. He's cool. <laughs> He's great, actually. But I've had many a party that would have been like, yeah, you want to come? Come along. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that that is, there are ways to do this that are not just like dive in and be like, I am playing as a gender fluid tiefling who is a bard that can shapeshift and therefore is always like you know you don't you don't actually have to like come in hot with like a i am going to explore my gender at this table if you don't think the table is receptive to that right there's multiple levels at which you can use this tool yes but to that end D is a tool for this D is a really lovely way for you to just kind of like say hey i want to play as this character that's in my head and maybe you're at a table full of other queer people and they're like that sounds dope, do it. Maybe you're at a table full of confused but supportive cis people and they're like, okay, yeah. Well, we will do our best. (laughs) Oh god. And maybe you're at a table where it's not quite that supportive, but like, they're still your friends and you still want to try something out and so you play into a trope that helps you explore your gender. And all those can be really beautiful. Yes. Yeah. One of the other things that I want to do as a quick plug at the end of this is also if fantasy is not your thing if you don't really like high fantasy you're not a big like lord of the rings kind of person there are other tabletop rpgs that you could play yeah they're not necessarily as accessible because dungeons and dragons especially dungeons and dragons fifth edition which is the most recent one is just so popular that you can find so much content on how to play it and like you can also find so much homebrew stuff on like more gender bendy versions of it and whatnot yeah yeah but that doesn't mean that it is the only system that you can do this in. There are really popular, like, Star Wars RPGs. There's a sci-fi RPG that is specifically for being in space, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but that's okay. If you are really into shows like Buffy or Supernatural, mm. there's 
Powered by the Apocalypse's Monster of the Week. I highly recommend it. It's super cool. And in the character creation process, there is a explicit option for not being a man or a woman, which like is just cool that they included that. If you want one that is also explicitly queer, there's a really awesome anthology called Glitter and Ashes, Queer Tales <laughs> of a World That Wouldn't Die, which has a micro, a queer post-apocalyptic micro RPG, um, and also a short story written by me. So, you know, pick that up. It's from Neon Hemlock. It's really cool. It's a really cool little collection. <laughs> I do also want to give one plug for, like, if you dive into, I want to explore various parts of my identity via D&D on the internet. There are lots of places that use D&D to explore lots of different parts of identities, not just gender. So I do want to give a quick plug that like there are also places that do that use D&D to explore things like sexuality mm-hmm. and like BDSM communities and things like that. And I just want to make sure that like we are giving that information as well so that you can be aware of that if you go plunge into the internet and, like, into Reddit to find these things. Because, like, that is also a beautiful avenue of exploration, but I also don't want anybody to listen to this and be like, wow, I'd love to explore. And then a very welcoming D&D session that you join ends up being maybe more welcoming than you had anticipated. Yeah. I just want to give everybody that, like, quick FYI that that's out there, too. And if that's something you're interested in, oh, my God, yes, go have so much fun. But... If but, it's not something you're interested in, be aware that it exists so you don't accidentally fall into it. Yeah. And if that sounds scary to you, because I get it, playing D&D with strangers on the internet, playing D&D with strangers full stop can be a challenge. I, ch- I struggle with that still. <laughs> but if you've never played D&D, your friend group has never played D&D, and you listen to this podcast and you're like, this sounds like a really fun thing. At this point, D&D is popular enough that if you went up to like, four random people and we're like hey do you guys want to play D? you could probably find enough people to like that's fact and if down. you're like uh, but i don't know how to dm i suggest um contacting josie josie will help you dm that's true that's a fact I actually would yeah I, yeah I would definitely talk about dming that's fine you can definitely reach out to us yeah exactly that. like 100 percent, we got you if you're like yeah. wow none of my five friends and i have ever played D, but we would love to and you send that exact message to josie let me tell you it's going to be an exciting day for both of you. Yeah. Read the player's handbook. Not all of it. Oh my god. Oh god, don't. <laughs> it's bad. Read all of it. Please don't ever read all of it. I don't read all of the rules for anything I do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, in conclusion, I think that Dungeons & Dragons is one of the best free-form ways to explore your gender identity without necessarily having to, like, commit to anything. Yeah, and I think that's another fun aspect of it is also you can do, like, one-offs. You can do short campaigns. I think that often D&D is, like, shown as something that a group of four to five people have done together for, like, years and years and years. And that's a super valid way of playing D&D. But that is far from the only way to play. And Mm -hmm. I think especially on, like, more random groupings from the internet, it's often one-offs or, like, we're going to play every week for a month and then that's going to be it. So you don't have to like commit to any character or exploration that you're doing. It can be kind of short quests. Yeah. And especially I have found from my own follies that starting off a D and D campaign with the expectation that you are going to play this game for years and years and years, and you're going to hit level 20 and you're going to create a masterwork of emotional mm. and exciting encounters for you and your friends to treasure for years and years and years. 
don't put that don't put that on yourself. Like don't put that on your friends. Start off with something small and quick. You know, just know that it is something very fun. I endorse it heavily as yeah. something that's very fun to do. You don't have to make it into a whole big commitment, though it can be really cool if you get into a group with people and you do find that kind of commitment. You really can have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to switch things up. Like, I don't know. I am personally of the opinion that if your character, if your players ever want to change something about their characters, they should be able to do that, no questions asked. And that includes just starting a new character up. Can I change my character to level 11? No, no, you have to stay the same level as everybody else. But See, she lies, y'all. <laughs> you can always change your subclass. Changing your class is possibly a little bit more sticky situation, but I'd, I'd, I'd be okay with it. Um, <laughs> if you decide, like, hey, DM, um, I don't actually want to play as an uh, AFAB gender fluid uh, person right now. I would much rather play as an AMAB, you know, you want to change your gen. you want to change the foundational aspects of your character. Did you just go from, did, did the only two gender identities that you could find were our gender identities? Maybe. Yeah, okay. look. <laughs> but nothing is permanent in D&D is what I'm saying. Yeah. And that is also something that you can use to explore multiple different perspectives, and that can be a lot of fun. And it's a game, so you can come at it with that attitude. Yeah. It's yeah. literally just here for fun. It literally is just here for fun. Yeah. Alright, I think that is where we're going to leave it off for this episode of Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. Thank you all very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this slightly sillier, more fun <laughs> episode this week. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye, y'all. And until next time, just keep thinking about it. Music for Gender Journeys, composed by Sonia Badash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash genderjourneys. We hope to hear from you soon.